the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Arif Halaby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Two hours today again. This is a live show. I know a lot of us uh, might record shows. Everybody from TV and news, uh, newscasters and, and different commentators will either record shows or have people fill in. I wanted to make sure you knew this was live, and I tell you why. Uh, because Happy Resurrection Sunday, that's a big deal to me. But I also think because some of you are going to be in your car, you're going to be thinking about uh, well, what you should be thinking about, which is our salvation. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you understand that that makes a difference in our life. We're not perfect. By no means are we perfect. Still make mistakes. We're just forgiven. And unless you understand it, it sounds very foreign. I can tell you when I was 18 years old, it was a foreign concept to me until that moment. So I share that with you just so that you'll know that we are live show and I want you to understand that that the things that we say and do are about making your life better, but by no means will it compare to what Christ did 2,000 years ago. Okay, so let's put it in perspective. Uh, there's some big changes happening. I think if you understand the rule of the day uh, is uncertainty is everywhere. And that's not an understatement, is it? We've, we have to think about a couple of different steps when we go down this road of trying to plan for our financial life. One of those is the moment you retire today. See, retirement is not a moment in time. It's the moment you retire, but it's not a moment in time for the rest of your life. You're going to continue to work, but maybe at things that don't pay you. You're going to continue to do things, but they're not things that will increase your resume. These are things that make a difference in your life because on a daily basis, you're going to walk and walk and walk and you will impact people's lives probably, and you will become a, a different person with the daily uh, activities you do, with the people you hang out with. They're different than the work friends. You understand that? Now, unless everybody's going to retire at the same time, you start pulling away from those work friends. It starts becoming a different set of friends, a different set of values. In some cases, and I can tell you this in my own uh, father's case, he retired at 70, and I think it was 72 years old, 
he came into my office and and he mentioned something pretty serious and it was that he regretted retiring not because there wasn't uh, you, you know there was a financial need he had covered those bases but it's because the social aspect so please don't forget that you need to have a purpose you need to have somebody counting on you somebody has to be looking in the mirror uh, you have to be looking in the mirror and saying, I matter to somebody. You have to, it, it, it could be volunteering at a food pantry. It could be helping your grandchildren. It could be almost anything where somebody looks at their watch and says, gosh, I can't wait. Are you going to be here? Oh, 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 I'm so glad you got here. We've been waiting for you. And you know, part of you, just like today, you go, oh, gosh, these people can't do anything right. <laughs> right? We've all been there. Without me, they would be nothing. You, you know the story. But part of you looks in that mirror and says, I matter. It, I make a difference in somebody's life. Now, it's not an, an accident that I bring it up today because you matter much greater than the day-to-day -day lateral things that we look at in the mirror and, and with our coworkers. You matter to a much greater purpose on, on this earth. So I'm going to set that aside for a minute because I want you to remember that purpose is the most important part of retiring. Because in America today, it's not difficult to make money. It isn't, right? Every, everything is about making money. That's why they raise minimum wage. You understand they raise minimum wage, but they don't raise minimum wealth. You understand that, right? right? So poor people, I don't mean bad. I don't mean ugly, poor. And it's a mindset, by the way. It's not money in your pocket. That's broke. Many poor people are broke. Sometimes poor people, right? They, get, they become wealthy. But it's a temporary condition. You see, if you're poor in your mindset and you make a lot of money, an inheritance, a pay raise, a tax refund, a second job, a bonus, right? If you're poor in your mind and you make money, you understand making money, that's the wealthy part. Being wealthy is a temporary condition. You'll eventually lose it and you'll go back to being broke. You see, the poor-minded person, again, not bad or ugly, or uh, right? The poor-minded person values money, not time. The poor-minded person values stuff instead of experiences. The poor-minded person values short-term thinking, what are you doing tonight? How much do you make an hour? What are you doing this weekend? Okay, in contrast, the rich-minded person, the rich-thinking person, values longer term, legacy, project-based. They value experiences. Now, it's often said that a poor person will say, well, of course... That rich-minded person can value experiences because they're wealthy. They have money. They don't have to worry about money because they have money. I'm going to tell you that it's not just that case. I think the reason they have money is because they worry about making a difference. They worry about the big picture. They worry about a process or a project, something much larger than this minute, this hour. And so as we learn that, as we learn what the rich-minded person thinks about versus the poor, I want you to become more like the rich-minded person. You see, the rich-minded person 
might be wealthy one day, and usually they are. And when they do, sometimes things happen and it can be taken from them. A divorce, a death in the family, a loss of a job, economic situation like 2000, 2008, now 2022, right? This is 2023, but 2022 is really when the recession began. The Biden administration coming in in 2021, when those things happen, that's a shock to the system and the rich-minded person can look and say, wow, this is an event that is going to remove some or most of my wealth. But you understand a rich-minded person, when they go broke, that's a temporary condition. They'll eventually be rich again and wealthy. You see, think about it like this. How many times have you heard, oh, that guy went broke. He filed bankruptcy six times before he made it big. Oh, that guy, oh, he lost it all and then finally hit a home run. Remember those stories? That's because their thinking is rich thinking. We all have this same person, a cousin or or sibling, parents maybe, who you say, well, that person had a bunch of money. They they sold that house. They made a profit. They made $400,000, a million dollars. They sold that property and they're broke again. Right? We all know those people, especially in the last decade when real estate prices went up and you didn't do anything. They just went up. People think they did something. That's always humorous. We look at it. We go, okay, so wait a second. You actually think you did something and it went up in value. Your house is more expensive today, more valuable today, costs more money today than it did last year. Do you realize the appliances are one year closer to being broken? The roof is one year closer to having a leak. So it's older and you're telling me it's worth more money. My point is, if you're going to do something about that, if you are the person or the reason that something becomes valuable or goes up in cost, uh, in price, okay, I got you. I'm with you on that. Then, then buy two. If you think you did something with, with your real estate, then buy three of them. I don't know. If you're that smart, if you're thinking about it, some people are. But if you're accidentally rich... If you get to the point where you, you don't even know why things have gone up in value, you're a poor-minded thinking person. Not bad. right? Many of you are just tuning in. Okay, poor-minded is not bad or evil or dumb or ugly. You get it? It's just the way you think. It's called poor thinking. You can look good on the outside. You can drive a nice car. You can have nice clothes, a nice handbag, whatever it is. Nice purse. You got it. Briefcase is amazing. Got it. Gucci, Louis Vuitton. And you're still poor thinking. How many celebrities? You've heard me mention celebrities in the past, singers, right? One of them on a, on a famous 90s uh, television series, four people on the show, mom, dad, son, daughter, right? One of those people uh, couldn't get out of his own way if he... <laughs> If he had a, a, a torch in a paper bag, I, I mean, come on. doesn't matter how much money he made, he was broke. He's always going to be broke because he's got a poor thinking. You see, poor thinking people are victims. Rich people think differently. They don't take it personally and ruin their, their ego when things go south. If you're a celebrity and you make a lot of money, why not be like Tom Selleck? I don't know his net worth, but I'll bet you it's approaching a billion dollars. 
He grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Went to high school with a friend of mine. Right? His dad was a real estate developer. Step by step by step. Legacy. Building towards the future. Project-based. Right? All of the intersections in the San Fernando Valley. You remember those days? There used to be little farms on the corners. I mean, I'm going back 40, 50 years. 30, 40 years. There were little farms on the corner or gas station. Remember those little things? And many developers came along. Tom Selleck's dad was one of them, his, his company at least. And they turned it into, ready for this, a liquor store, a yogurt store, a nail salon, and something else. Parking was always, always horrible. Always trying to get in and out. You guys remember the stories. You're always trying to park there. It's, it's miserable uh, parking. But that little L-shape center right on the corner, and people would come and go. You see, when Tom Selleck started making a little bit of money in acting well before Magnum P.I., he would save and invest, save and invest. This is, of course, an exaggeration, but I want to say half of Oahu is owned by the Selleck family, or at least at one point, right? He understood how to build wealth, how to build income. So it isn't just, I want to be a movie star because I want to be wealthy. No, I just gave you two examples. One was in a sitcom that ran for years, and he's broke. One was in a sitcom that ran for a lot less time, by the way, and he's wealthy. So you've got to ask yourself, what is your purpose now and in retirement, and if you're thinking like a poor person, if you've had millions of dollars, like many people have, have had millions of dollars come across their their hands, right? Add up the add it up, do the math. How much has come through your pocket, and your pay, and tax refunds, and selling a property, and rental income, and stock bond, mutual fund, whatever. And if you're still struggling, it isn't because you're a bad person. It's because you don't understand how money works. And there's amazing educators and teachers out there, right? Okay, we're one of them probably, but you get to decide if we're amazing or not. We're one of the teachers, but there's a lot of good guys out there that are teaching. But you have to ask yourself, what's the purpose of the money? What's the purpose of the project? What's the purpose of this purchase? Whatever it is. You see, because big changes are coming. When I say the word is uncertain, uh, that's, that's the word of the day in your financial life for certain, right? The one thing that's certain is that we're uncertain. That's why we made a commercial about it. I think it's fun, Mr. Uncertainty. And I have a new one coming this next week. So, so listen up, you'll hear it, Mr. Uncertainty. Dennis and I talk to Mr. Uncertainty. What are some of the things that are uncertain? Okay, now listen, how things are changing. If you can recall back, many of you can't because, again, many people are short-term thinking. This is our business. I've done this for 27 years. This is my job. It's what my passion is, actually. But here's what happened in 2008. You see, banks started tightening lines of credit. Banks started making decisions on pulling money out of the system. So here's what happened. You see, the Federal Reserve, there's one bank that's called the central bank and they have 12 smaller banks around the country, different places, Denver, San Francisco, whatever. Okay. Their job 
is to pull money into the system and to take money out of the system. So because they own the currency, Bank of America and others are pretty important, right? Their job as an institution is to add money and to take money out of the system. So when B of A, I'm just going to use them as an example because it's, of course, a well-known bank. When B of A has lots of money to lend and they don't need your deposit, so when you walk in to make a deposit, hi, here's a $10,000 CD, Bank of America says we don't want it. Now, how do they say we don't want it? They don't tell you, stop, take your money and go. They just lower the interest rate. Write a CD interest rate, 0.7% for one year. That's how they communicate to you. Don't give it to us. Why would they say that? Because they're getting it very cheaply from the central bank, from the Federal Reserve. So Federal Reserve says, we'll give you all of this money, pump it into the system, get it out there, lend it out, circulate it in the economy. And when you walk in and say, hey, I have a CD, they say, we don't need your money. We're getting it very inexpensively, right? The Federal Reserve loan rate, the Fed raised interest rates, the Fed lowered interest rates. Most people don't even know what that means. You see, that interest rate that is lowered and raised on the nightly news when you hear about it, that's between the Federal Reserve and the banks, the credit unions, the Federal Reserve and the institutions that put it out. Because you and I cannot go to the Federal Reserve and borrow money. We have to go through a bank, through Chase, through your credit union. Okay, so we, we go to the bank and we say, hi, we'd like a loan. They say, hold on, wait a second. They go, hey, Federal Reserve, do you have money for me to loan? Yes, we do. Got it. Okay, Arif, here's a loan. Now, let's say the Federal Reserve, like right now, starts to pull money out of the system. They're saying, listen, we don't, we don't want so much money circulating around because of this thing called inflation. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to pull money out of the system, banks. So how does a bank pull money out of the system? Well, it starts tightening your lines of credit. You see, some of you have a HELOC, home equity line of credit. $200,000, it cost me 150. I have it just for an emergency. Everybody's got that. Just for an emergency. I have $400,000 equity in my house, so I have $150,000 line of credit just for an emergency. Okay, here you go. Now, what's going to start happening, just like in 2008, as the banks are pulling money out of the system, and they've been doing it for about a year, pulling money, pulling money, pulling money. How do I know that? Am I a genius? Well, some might say, but, but no, I'm not a genius. I just look at the interest rates in the banks. You see, the bank says, uh-oh, we can't go to borrow money from the Federal Reserve. They're pulling money out of the system. They're not only not giving us money, but they're taking away money that we have on deposit. So we need more money on deposit. So here's what we're going to do. Hi, Mary, Joe, you guys are putting this money uh, in a CD. We're now going to give you 4% interest. Like, wait a second. A year ago, it was 1%, barely. And now you're going to give me a 4% interest rate for a one-year CD? Yep. You see, because a bank only makes money when it lends out money, not when it takes in money. So a bank has to have a place to put your money before it ever receives your money. So when you go into a bank and you, you open up an account for $100,000, a CD or, or a savings account, whatever you might do, and that big chunk of money comes into a bank, you realize what a bank does. They turn around that same day and they lend it out somewhere right away 
get it out. The longer it stays in their bank overnight, two nights, three nights, and I'm serious, that's short term. It hurts the bank. They're like, oh my gosh, we're paying interest on this money and we're not making any interest on this money. We have to make more than we give Joe and Mary who just brought in that CD. So Joe and Mary with the CD, they don't care. They're happy. They got a 4% return. Bank of America says, well, wait a second. We got to get this out. So now they go over and they lend it to somebody in a credit card or a new car loan or a house loan. So whenever you see the spread between a house loan, let's say today at six and a half percent, maybe more, and a, a CD, 4%, who gets that two and a half percent? Who gets the difference? Yep, I don't have the Jeopardy uh, theme here, so you just will guess. Yes, it is the bank. That's how a bank makes a profit. So when they have to, when they lend out money, when there's so much money flowing around, flowing around, flowing around, when there's so much money in the circulating into the system, you realize that as that money's circulating, they don't want your money because they have enough of it and it's cheap. So they communicate to you by lowering interest rates. Hey, we'll give it to you, but at a no rate, zero rate, 1.0.1%. But today a bank says, we want your money. How do they say that? Well... They make sure they lower interest rates, don't they? And as they lower those rates, as they lower those rates, as they lower those rates from, from uh, that they're going to give you when you make a deposit, then you start saying, I'm not going to give you money. I'm not going to give you money. So a bank suffers. So the only way for a bank to make a living is to pay you interest and at the same time lend it out for more money. If that interest rate starts to come down, so will your CD rate, so will your deposit rate, so will your savings account. Okay, now I share that with you because if you have a home equity line of credit or something like that, where you have a cash advance available, we saw this on credit cards. I have a $20,000 limit on my Visa, MasterCard, Discover, $20,000, $40,000, $50,000, and I only charge... 500 or 2,000 a month and I pay it off. 3,000, 6,000 a month, pay it off. I use it for points. I use it for miles. Okay, got it. Surprise. I think in the next few months, you're going to start receiving mail. And it's going to say, we lowered your uh, available credit limit from 20,000 down to 10. Now, if we see a real shock to the system, how I will know that it's happening that way is this is what will happen your uh, balance, so let's say you carry a $4,000 balance on a credit card and the limit is $20,000. Well, that's a good limit. That's big. Good job. Hopefully you don't spend it all in one place and not pay it off because uh, credit card debt is bad debt. But let's put that aside for a second. So you have a $4,000 balance and a $20,000 limit don't be surprised if you get a letter in the mail that says your limit is now $5,000 and they just stripped away the available credit. You see, at any time you can swipe that card, that amount of credit that's outstanding is dangerous for a bank if they don't have money on the other side to pay it. A bank has to quickly, right? You can walk into a, a Ferrari dealership if you have a $100,000 credit 
and put that as a down payment on a Ferrari. I don't know what they go for, but it's probably a down payment, right? There's ways for you to say, give me a cash advance. Give me my, put it in my bank account. There's different arrangements. And you can now take that money out on a weekend. They didn't even know. The bankers didn't even know that you were going to do that over the weekend. They show up on Monday and they say, uh-oh, we just, uh, Arif just borrowed $100,000 on his visa to put a down payment on a Ferrari. Well, well, how are they going to pay that? But you see what a bank does is they look to see, oh, we have plenty of money going around. So if Arif and everybody else out there wants to go do a cash advance or do a spending spree or pay for their airline tickets to Fiji, all of that stuff, any minute, they can charge lots of money, no problem, but they have to have the cash to back it up. But we're not in that, we're not in that era, are we? The era that we are in is a tightening. That money that's going to be pulled out of the system means your home equity line of credits, your credit cards, any extra credit that is outstanding but not used yet, I think they're going to start pulling that back. And most importantly, ready for this, which is what I think is going to cause the recession, that is how small businesses exist. They have lines of credit to pay for payroll, and then next month they get a big uh, paycheck in from, from a receivable, right? One of their companies that they do business with sends them a check, and they pay it off. They use it to pay off a, a machinery. They buy a piece of machinery. In three months, they get a big check back from the government, and they pay it off. All right, so small business, you guys are going to be the canary in the cage. You're the first one to be hit, I think. Keep an eye out for that. Stay with me as we continue with the Total Financial Hour. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. When I come back, we'll continue with what's happening with the economy, uncertainty, and how to fix it. And don't forget, top of the hour, your emails when we come back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. That's our office number. All week long, give us a call. Maybe I can help you. I think a second opinion is worth it. It doesn't cost anything. If I can help you get some ideas or clarify some things, maybe even reaffirm that you're doing the right thing. That's kind of nice to, to do. We do that about once or twice a week. I get a, uh, a call or a client that pops in or a, pot a potential client. I say, you know, everything you have is right what I would do. I wouldn't make any changes. They're saying, are you sure? I said, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy takes me about 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes at the most to kind of review things and tell you if the basics of what you're looking at is on track, right? Anytime any financial professional goes through and says, oh, well, I need to do a 15-point, 74-page uh, financial needs analysis. We're going to do a breakdown. and uh, 
And and by the way, you got to pay uh, fifteen hundred dollars for it. But it goes towards if you become a client, we give it to you as a discount. And so, look, the financial needs analysis was something I used to do. I probably did more than anybody else in our office at the time. My first three, four years, two or three years, because it's a crutch, right? When you're new, when you don't understand numbers, when you don't have the confidence. I'm just speaking for myself and the financial professionals I was around. You use something like that as a way to come up with the answers for you, right? It's hard to say it that way because, of course, we all need diagnostic tools, but it's different, right? Because the moment that you take money out or the interest that you earn in your account is different than what was projected on that piece of paper, the whole thing is worthless, Right. Oh, your goals are, and if we earn a 7.2% average rate of return, great. Next year you earn 8.3. It's over. The whole thing is worthless. You have to redo it, meaning you have to redo it probably every week or every month because interest rates are changing. The costs are changing. The inflation projection was 3.5%. Now it's 5 or 6 or 7. Okay, well, that's changing. So it's really just a tool that is used to kind of make us look good, that, in addition to those titles, right, every financial office, <laughs> if you're a two-named financial office, there's a requirement. It's, I don't know, it's, I think it's part of the Constitution. It says everybody's supposed to be called a vice president. I love that. I, I'm a vice president or vice president. Oh, I work with the vice president over at Merrill Stanley Schwab. Uh, oh, oh, wow, really? Yeah, everybody, everybody. Do you realize everybody's a vice president there? I don't mean they're bad or good. It's just a marketing ploy. It has nothing to do with competence. They could be super competent, but it's just a marketing ploy. That's why everybody's a vice president. So don't let that decide. You have to ask. Uh, uh, look, I had somebody in my office last week. We'll call him Howard, right? Nice guy. Howard had lost, let's see, 540, 70. I think it was $70,000. He lost $70,000 in 2022. And the financial professional on the phone said, uh, we did pretty good for you last year, didn't we, Howard? And I thought to myself, you lost him tens of thousands of dollars. But in reality, what they did is they charged a fee of nearly $10,000. So they charged a fee of 10000 They lost him about sixty or seventy. You ask yourself, what the heck? How, how did that work? Right, right. who was the decision maker that lost my money and did that son of a gun still get paid? And if, and if, what, I, if what they did for me was, quote, good, how much bad, uh, worse would a bad, <laughs> a bad process be? Who, who was the person who got to be, sorry, we did bad for you? Did they lose... 250000 Were the fees twice as much? I don't know. I'm never afraid of paying for something and receiving it. Big difference. I will pay for something. Quality, service, food, right? You're going to pay different, more money at a fancy restaurant than you do at a fast food restaurant. And the purpose is probably a higher quality item, uh, better atmosphere, service. But you wouldn't sit there and say, I'm going to pay for something and not receive it. So you receive something. 
Are you happy with what you bought? If you paid a fee, did you buy something? If you did, what did you receive? And if you say, I'm super happy, yes, they lost my money, but on this side over here, man, the office, their office is great. The, the, the paint is amazing. Right? Th those are very important things as part of the process of your financial life. So what's happening right now? A rising number of Americans. This is uh, as of about a week ago. There's now a rising number of Americans that are choosing bankruptcy to deal with unimaginable debt. You see, when they changed the financial system in the middle of the reaction to COVID, the lockdowns, COVID didn't do anything. We've had flus. We've had viruses forever. We didn't shut down the world. When they change, very important, the way the money works on one side of the equation, which is you making money. Right? They change the way you can make money. In other words, they pay you to stay home. But they don't change the other side of the equation, which is, oh, by the way, things are going to cost more money. Right, Because money comes in, money goes out. That equation is supposed to equal itself. Whatever's on the left should be on the right. But when they adjust or stop or cancel or minimize the amount of income that you can make, but the cost of goods and services go up, who loses in the story? You do. Surprise. The number of Americans choosing bankruptcy. Near all-time highs. You ready for this? Yeah, it's up 18% from one year ago. 2% just from January. Now, to be sure to understand this, that is a lot of people. 30,000 people. The latest numbers we have are from February. Over 30,000 people in America filed bankruptcy. That's a lot of folks, folks. Let's know that. Last time it was this high was right around the 2008 crash. 2008, 9. It takes a little while to catch up. So it wasn't exactly 2008. It was, it was as a result of the 2008, 2009 crash in the market and the economy and the real estate market. Right? I, I sat on the board of a food pantry and we used to help folks out. And I remember seeing people come to the food pantry to pick up their weekly bag of groceries and they would, they get to shop. It's an amazing concept, much different than some of the other food banks, by the way, because they get to go in and pick what's right for their family, as opposed to here's a bag full of tortillas, rice and beans, and you know, six bananas or something. I'm glad there are food pantries that give away that kind of stuff, but it's not acceptable to 90% of America. My experience has said, the people that go in there might be allergic to this or their family doesn't eat that or they would prefer this. And so they're allowed to walk through this food pantry. It's a stunning place in Santa Clarita on the board uh, where I sat for many years. I share that with you because the people would show up driving a brand new Lexus, two years old, a Mercedes, maybe three years old, beautiful cars, but they had a five-year loan on it. And the collapse happened in the middle of it. They can't get rid of the car. They have to make a payment or they're getting some sort of forgiveness, right? Or a delay or some sort of grace period. They need a car to get around. But they were in the real estate business. They were a real estate agent or an appraiser or a lender. And that, remember, the housing market crashed. Similar to now. 
right? When time was good, times were good three years ago, you saw people making money hand over fist. And you ask yourself, okay, these folks better be saving for the rainy day. There's, there's some bad times coming down the road. They better be ready for that. And if they do, if they did, well, then great. They're golden right now. They're doing wonderful. They have a balanced life. But most people don't do that. They think the good times never end. And contrarily, folks, many people think the bad times never end. And they do. They do. You have to ride it out. Be patient. And in my opinion, be on your knees in prayer pretty regularly. Because it's not easy. All of us have gone through bad times. I just want you to learn from it. I don't want you to repeat them again and again and again. You see, God gives you lessons and you repeat it over and over because you didn't learn from the lesson. So for many people, they say, you know, I keep making this mistake in business. Uh, you know, I have a business and just right when it gets to this right spot, ready to grow, ready to start a profit, I lose it or there's a problem. It happens in relationships, in your personal finance. It, the reason it happens over and over, my experience has told me that, that it's because you didn't learn the lesson you were supposed to learn. So God says, rinse and repeat. The reason you keep having a problem with weight is because you didn't learn the lesson. The reason you keep having a problem with your physical fitness, it's because, uh, I mean, you get it? Learn the lesson. It, it happens with money. It happens in business and relationships. So because in 2008, 2009, when they shut down the entire economic system, as far as the money flowing around, we had a client who used his HELOC like a savings account, would make money, pay it off, make money, pay it off. And he kept using the money off of the HELOC to live on, buy groceries, right? He was, quote, college educated. He had done a math formula, a spreadsheet of some sort, and decided that it was worth it. I can't tell you how many times he sat in my office and I tried to explain to him that the HELOC is not the answer to saving or investing, but you should have a plan that's different, both for your retirement and other living. Because he is not in control of how much of a home equity line of credit he is given. But in his mind, Los Angeles real estate just kept going up in value. In his mind, the banks were never going to shut him down because he was an executive at, at a big entertainment company in, in LA, a big, uh, you know, industry, one of the industry uh, companies you would know of. Well, surprise, he lost his job at the same time the HELOC came along and was shut down. So quote, all of his savings that was inside of a home equity line of credit was taken away and his real estate prices came down. So he couldn't even access a loan because he couldn't qualify because he didn't have a job and they weren't giving them out to everybody that could fog a mirror because there was not enough money to go around anymore. The Federal Reserve started pulling money out of the system. I think that's the next generation. That's the next thing that we're gonna happen. How do we know that we're coming towards the end? I just don't know how long this ending period. It could be six months. It could be another two years. It's kind of my guess that it's gonna be on the longer side. The reason is because we have so much money in the system, trillions of dollars that have to be liquidated and slowly removed from the system. It's going to pull down housing prices, in my opinion. It's going to pull down retirement accounts, in my opinion, stock, bond, mutual fund stuff. And it's probably going to start causing a lot of people to file bankruptcy, to have to discharge the debt. 
because the institutions, the credit card institutions, the banking institutions, they're not going to care anymore. They'll force you into bankruptcy. Hey, we need our money. You're like, but you understand that I can't pay it because I don't have a job. I can send you $50. We don't want $50. Either send it all or nothing. Have you seen that before? We have. And you say, but don't you want at least $50? No, we want what you owe us. So that's what happens. The debtor says, I don't have any money, so I'm not going to send it. Then they start going into lawsuits and foreclosure and other issues. That's the next step. So we're, we're at that step. It's just how long do we stay in this step? I don't know that answer. I don't know if we're in this world for a long time, two weeks, two months, two years. I don't know. I think it's going to be closer to the one to two year window. And I think because the confidence in the economy isn't going to be there until we're pretty sure that Joe Biden and his ilk are gone. I don't know if it's President Trump running again. I don't know if it's Mr. DeSantis. I don't know who it is. We don't know. Mr. Elder, right? Larry Elder's running or will be running, announcing shortly, we think. So we don't know those answers, but we do know this. We, knew, we do know that President Biden has done everything on purpose to push back the value of the United States in the world and its economy, a home, its dollar. I mean, it's very simple. Look, if there's 10 things you can do to mess up the U.S. economy, President Biden has done it. Restrict oil drilling, number one. Don't allow pipelines, number two. Export our oil from our reserves to China, our arch enemy. Right? Make sure the U.S. dollar doesn't have a standing in Asian or Middle Eastern economic affairs. I mean, I can go on. And I, I still stand by my statement. One is he's not going to run again. He just doesn't want to be a lame duck president. Because the moment he says he's not running again, he becomes a lame duck president. What that means, somebody who doesn't have any political power anymore. And with the Congress divided between the House for Republicans and barely the Senate for the, the Democrats, now the chances of him running again are pretty low. I think he's going to resign his presidency before the end of the year. I think there'll be pressure not just going after Hunter Biden, now that the Republicans are serious, Mr. Jordan, Mr. Comey, some of the others, about going after President Biden's family, the corruptness of himself. I think that's going to be real. And I think Joe Biden is going to resign for medical reasons, health reasons, etc. Now, isn't it interesting a dark horse on the outside, a true liberal Democrat, not a progressive crazy man, a true liberal Democrat, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, isn't that interesting? As a president of the United States, maybe the, the next Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Robert Kennedy's son, would that be interesting? He's now announced for presidency. It could be that the non-crazy Democrats have somebody to vote for. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if it's President Trump or Governor DeSantis, but I can tell you this. Either one of them would be better than Mr. Biden on his best day. But I don't think he's going to stay. I think he's going to be gone before the end of the year. That's just my prediction. 
Uh, I have a, a steak dinner, <laughs> a steak dinner bet on it with a friend. Uh, I'm hoping that I'm right. I'm thinking he's going to step down. All right, I want to continue with something that I think is pretty important to to you and what a lot of people have been mentioning to me this week. And it is the safety, what's the right word, the confidence in the banking system? Right, a lot of you are saying, Arif, I have $80,000 in my bank account of, uh, you know, Bank X or Credit Union Y. Should I take money out of the banking system? Should I remove money out of the banking system? All right, now let me share with you a couple of things on how it all works. Uh, First of all, if it's FDIC insured, that means it's a bank, right? That means they have money in the uh, FDIC insurance for $250,000. Okay, so if your bank account has $250,000 or less, you are insured by the FDIC. Now, currently, the FDIC has about $128 billion in it. That is enough to cover one or two institutions, not five or six or seven. The Treasury Department had to come out with an announcement on March 16, 2023, where they said uh, the, the... FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So many of you are concerned when we talk about fixed or fixed index annuities. Yeah, but Eric, it's an insurance company. Do you understand banks use insurance companies? Do you understand that? A bank uses Federal Deposit Insurance Company, Insurance Corporation. Corporation and company are used interchangeably. It, it's not agency. It's a quasi-government, but really very very thinly. It's a, it, it is his own insurance company. Right? It doesn't say Federal Deposit Agency of the Government or Department of whatever. It's an insurance corporation. How much does the Deposit Insurance Fund, that's the FDIC, now have and will it have funds if more banks failed? By the end of the fourth quarter of last year, this is reported by CBS News, the FDIC had $128 billion in its coffers, which is fully sufficient, and they use that word in quotes, to cover... SVB Bank and Signature Bank customers. All right. When a bank fails, it doesn't mean every single dollar it has in it, it's gone. There's some that's actually there. It's just the difference between what it owes you and what it has outstanding. So there is always money. Even if a bank says it's a $100 billion bank and it failed, it doesn't mean that it lost all $100 billion. It means maybe it needs 10 or 20 or $30 billion. So in other words... There's still some money there. It's not completely gone. They didn't spend the last dime. But I want to share with you that if a couple, three, four, five banks fail, there just isn't enough money for it. Now, the federal government would probably, this is a bit hypothetical, but probably come along and add money to it so that the confidence of the U.S. government is strong confidence of the U.S. dollar is strong. So I think that's what's going to happen. I I would not worry if you have less than $250,000. Here's the problem. The only way to solve this solution, and I can't believe, you know, a financial professional of 27 years in Southern California is the only person to think of this, right? I didn't attend Harvard, thank God. I I just, uh, I'm a guy who made it and lost it and made it again in my life. So let me share with you. 
this is not difficult to fix. You have to create a third bank. And the third banking institute, right? You have credit unions, which have been around for a long time. You have community banks, which by and large took the place of the savings and loan. Remember Charles Keating linking savings and loan. Um, remember all of those savings and loans type banks, right? Those institutions, those were designed for the person, for me and for you. And then the U.S. banks, the Bank of America, the Wells Fargo, the First Interstate. Remember those big banks? Those were designed, Great West Bank, remember? That was designed for companies, for very wealthy people, for larger institutions. Well, community banks, they're still there. They're good. They took the place. They have a place and a purpose. I love it. But I want you to think about this for a minute. What about the companies of America? You, you understand that just the lease payments for Amazon are more than $250,000 in a month. Just leasing some of their warehouses, just the gasoline for some of their little trucks, just the oil changes for their big rigs, it's going to be more than $250,000 in a month. So you can't tell me that big corporations can have a, a limit of protection of 250000 and we're all going to feel confident about it. Here's what I think. You need to create a third institution where it has its own FDIC-type insurance. You can call it you know, ABC, XYZ. I don't care what you call it. And it's a banking institution that has $5 million insured. $5 million insured. But, yeah, you got to be part of the club. I don't know, whatever the number is. Your minimum deposit is a million dollars. You have to have you know, a business and on and on, whatever their rules are. But you create a second place so that the pressures of the Google and the Amazon and the million of other small companies, Boeings, etc., don't make Mary and Joe Lunchbucket down the street who just sold their condo for 350000 that they've been renting and it's sitting in their bank account and now they have to worry, is their $350,000 safe because it's more than $250,000? i am worried about it. Will it be safe? So now they have to go through some, some financial gymnastics and put some in this bank and some in that bank and put some over here and I got to manage this. I think what you need to do is to, to have a system where you raise all of the banking institutions to $500,000. You create a secondary institution for the large institutions, the largest banks. And those larger banks can give lines of credit. They can create a way so that small and medium-sized businesses can have a place to go. And a $5 million limit, well, that's a lot of money. But not if you have a payroll. Not if you have expenses each and every month. Money comes and goes. That would make the United States one of the strongest financial companies, uh, countries in the world. All right, stay with me. Your letters are next. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour. 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back with your emails. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about 
about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. You're place for news talk and information hey the total financial show listen i want to talk to you about your financial life when we talk about it with your friends your your friends your family rather uh, you guys are going to have conversations maybe today maybe over lunch the dinner table i want you to be sensitive sensitive to the fact that people are going to be laid off that people are not going to get pay raises that the cost of things are going to be eating up some of their paychecks so all of us love to share some of the amazing things that we do with our life. Oh, we just bought a new car. Oh, we just, we're taking a new vacation this summer. Oh, we're going to be for the first time. Our, be careful. Be a little sensitive. Uh, it, it's not easy for all of us, right? We have friends and family and people we want to share with, and we have great ideas, and, and we're happy. We're proud of some of the things we've accomplished. But there are others that are suffering, so please be sensitive to that. And again, not just today, but always, uh, because we're entering a period of the economy where layoffs are going to be huge. That's what's next. Uh, labor disputes. You're going to see unions going on strike. In some cases, you're going to see massive pay raises and people are going to be happy. Ha ha, we got 10 years over two years, or uh, 10% rather over two years. We got 14% over three years. We got a huge pay raise coming. Everybody's happy. But you understand what comes next after that big pay raise, that big contract signing, it's layoffs. You, you guys, don't be short-sighted. What comes next is layoffs. That's what happens. Do you think they're going to find money out of the air? Yesterday, they didn't have the money, and today they do. Aha, we got it. Those greedy management, those son-of-a-guns in corporate, the city, the county. <laughs> you realize what comes next? is layoffs. And it isn't just layoffs, but sometimes it's work reduction, meaning we may not, we may lay off two people and then those other four positions we were going to hire for, well, we don't have the money. So now you don't, you don't only have to do your job, but you have to do the job of the other person or two or three. We are seeing this all over. People think, ah, ha, ha, I got them. I love it. Yeah, I got them. I said, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen next? Well, you know, we got a big pay raise, so we're happy. I said, what, what happens next is at the very least, they don't fill those positions, meaning you're going to have to do one and a half or two jobs for the price of yours. And at the very most, what which is most likely is low seniority people are going to be fired, which is normally the way they go. So be sensitive to that. And don't you know, be proud of what people have accomplished. In some cases, their confidence level, and I have seen this, I've seen this in my own circles. The confidence of somebody is to only do so much. You may have grand ideas and amazing, uh, exciting opportunities, but in their life, uh, listen, paying their bills is an accomplishment and there's nothing wrong with that. Saving $100 a week, there's nothing. it's nothing to sneeze at. These are real dollars for people. And I share you that with you because Phyllis and Robert sent an email. And let me give you the email address, by the way. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, when it, it rhymes with sheriff, but it's not spelled the same. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, at 
tfswealth.com. T is in Tom, F is in Frank, S is in Sam, wealth. I forever will be phonetic like that because of my time in the police department, nearly 11 years. For those of you that are just joining us, yeah, almost, uh, well, 10 years, seven months, and three days as a Los Angeles policeman. Somebody crashed into my police car, and I had to retire after a bunch of surgeries. That's when I got scammed. Uh, not It doesn't happen overnight, right? Rarely does somebody come with a uh, you know black hat on a, on a horse and come in and say, give me all your, uh, this is a robbery. It doesn't happen that way. When you fall victim to a scam or a fraud, like I did when I was in my late 20s, 30 years ago, right? When this happens, it's a slow process, right? It took weeks, months. And my wife knew something about it. She, she's like, ah, oh, something's wrong with that guy. I don't trust him. I said, oh, no, honey, look at me. You're only 25. I'm 26. Look at how smart I am. And so we get our arrogance. Women follow their intuition. And when they follow their, intu- their intuition, they are usually right. Guys, I'm just telling you how, how it is. And so I didn't listen. We got scammed, three different scams over the course of many months and lost nearly everything. Had to start over. So I said, I got to go back to school. I got to figure this thing out. So it did. It was a couple of years worth of learning and classes and on and on before I could figure out why I, quote, was the smart guy that even carried a gun and they still felt like they could rip me off. Why is that the case? All right. So there's some things like that that happen in our lives that you have a choice. You can either learn from it, grow from it. Doesn't matter the age. You can be stronger or you can fall victim and sit in a corner and rock, put your hand out to the government and say, give me this. Right. And I want to be clear on this, guys. A lot of you are legitimately disabled. I understand that. But I don't want you sitting around just waiting to collect Social Security disability. Work. Work. Oh, I can't air off my back. Listen, you're speaking to a guy who had three back surgeries and 20 small procedures. I've had really bad days. I get it. But you got to get up and you got to do something, especially as a man. Hey, guys, that's my perspective. If you don't provide for your family, if you don't produce for your family, I don't care what it is. Minimum wage at the fast food restaurant down the corner. You have to do something. If you think you're going to sit there with your hand out and say, give me, give me, give me, I deserve because of who I am. Right? I learned that from my dad. My dad got scammed. Well, it's called the uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Right? Iraq invades Kuwait. August 1st, 1990. Three days later, my dad's office is raided by the Treasury Department and the FBI. It's not him. He was just an employee. But they shut down his company. When they shut down his company, they took his pension. He had about a quarter of a million dollars, best guess. A 55-year-old man. He could have said, oh, man, you know how many times I've, I've tried and failed? My dad could have sat there and said, listen, I gave it my best kids. Wife, you married me. I promised I'd take care of you, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> he never said that. He got up, worked, you know, figured out what was going on, what was going to happen, what was going to change. After a month or two, he said, okay, I'm going to start my own business now. Started his own travel agency. At a time when nobody was traveling, by the way. I mean, it was a tough time, right? While other travel agencies were going out of business, 
his began to thrive because he worked every day, every day. You see, that's the example that I call normal. So when people say, oh, Eric, if you were in a car accident, you were disabled, the, the police department retired you. Yeah, with a whole $1,500 a month. You tell me how you can live on that. Uh, but, you know, hey, I, I, I could be a victim. You guys would have all felt sorry for me. Everybody would have walked. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. It's a good day. Or you can decide to pick yourself up. It happens to everybody. Something. Yours is worse than mine. Better than mine. Everybody's is different. But are you going to stand up and fight? Or are you going to sit in a corner and rock? You're going to get plenty of people in your life that will encourage you to be the victim. Right? That's my biggest concern. You have a whole black community, a whole young black youth who have been told they're a victim and there's nothing they can do and there's two and a half strikes against them and they're sitting in a corner and nobody will help them and everybody hates them and it's blah, 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 blah. Of course, you end up with a group of people. My friends that are conservative, that are black, Tell me, this is the biggest poison they've ever felt for the community. If you want to undermine the black community, first you take away fathers from the household. That was done in the early 70s. The second thing you do is you make it so that every young man that even has a chance, kind of sort of thinks about a chance, maybe just might get up out of, right? And you make him feel like he's worthless and he doesn't have a shot because the world is against him. By the way, if you're a woman, a minority, it's even worse. That's what you do. You don't ever have to fire a gun. You don't have to, to use any uh, prisons. I mean, it's, it's simple. You just tell them they don't have a shot over and over and over. First grade, second grade, third grade, college. That's how you undermine a whole community. That's how the Democrats have created their same racist overtones from the founding of the KKK to the Jim Crow laws all the way through to today. You realize all of that was Democrats. You understand that? All of that. And today there are the white liberals who fake these hoaxes, right? They go down in these communities and right when you think you have a chance, oh, somebody puts a noose at the college dorm. Investigation. Let's pull the videotape. Oh, then they find out it's a black youth. Oh, this anti-gay. If you're a gay young man or woman, you don't have a chance. You don't have a shot. Are you kidding me? What a joke. Racism there. There it is. It's behind the corner. Look, 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 look. It's right behind the bushes. I think I just saw it. Let's go to town with uh, on social media. We'll call him a racist, homophobe, homophobe. And that's it. You don't have a chance. How about you just encourage yourself to look in the mirror, to realize Christ died for you? Maybe you're not a believer. That's fine. That's your choice. But when you look in the mirror, you, you look and you say, I have a chance. I am in the best country in the history of the world. It is the only time in the history of the world where somebody can come from nothing, financially, socially, with their family, three strikes against them, a victim of racism, a victim of, uh, of uh, oppression, Sexual abuse. They can come from a, a whole background of junk and thrive and succeed and become amazing. 
Yeah. That's what conservatives are defending. You see, because in that big old pile of mess, there's also some, some bad stuff. We're not defending the bad stuff. We're defending the big picture that says, you want a chance to succeed? This is it, man. It's not going to happen in Africa. Never going to happen in Australia. I want you to know that. Don't try to open your mouth in Canada. Oh, go to prison. If you pray outside, pray quietly, silently. Stand and pray silently outside of abortion clinic in England. You can even be pro-abortion. That's your thing. But when somebody is standing outside, of an, if somebody wants to stand outside of our church and pray that we disappear, I'm, I'm going to let them. Right? If they want to pray for something against my church outside of the, on the sidewalk, that's, this is America, but not in England. Because you thought it. Not in Canada, not in Australia, because you're thinking about it. And when the police come up to you and they say, what were you doing? You have a choice to lie or you have courage to say, I was praying. Sorry, ma'am, we don't allow praying in this zone. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, you can't pray. In this, this, this section here, you can't pray. You see, there's a lot of reasons to be a victim in this country. And when Phyllis and Robert send me this email, I'm going to read it here in just a second. I want you to realize the choices that they've chosen are different. All right. Dear Arif, we have fallen victim to the recent layoffs announced by one of the large companies in Southern California. My husband is 53 years old and I'm 49. He's too young to retire and so, and so am I. I work for the county and I have a high seniority in my department, so there's very little concern that I'll be laid off. They did announce that we were not going to fill the two open positions. So that means more work for me, and I'm thankful to have a job. My concern is my husband had life insurance at his previous job, and I'm worried that he has lost it. Since we have not seen anything in the last few weeks, I'm thinking this has already happened. Do you recommend that he sign up for the group life insurance plan they have at his new job? He also has his old retirement plan and is unsure what to do with it. We waited to reach out to you since he did not have a job yet. Now he has had one and starts next week. His old 401k has about $480,000. There was more in it, about $572,000 last year. But now this is where we are. We are fine financially, but I was worried we, were, we only had a few more months of emergency savings available. We do have other investments that we have that we are hoping to not have to use. Glad we did not have to use them. But do you have any ideas on what we can do next? This is Phyllis and Robert. All right. So I ask yourself this. I ask on a regular basis, you guys. Try to figure out what financially you need to live on each month. And I want you to live below those means. Right? So if you need $4,000 a month to live, then I want you to make five, six, or seven. If you need six or seven to live, I want you to make eight or nine or 10. Now you might ask yourself, but that's nice to say, oh, it's nice to make it, but you have to have a plan and it takes a bit to work through it, especially when you're young and you're struggling, right? My wife and I worked for four years before we had kids. We worked two jobs each most of the time. Sometimes I worked three jobs 
right? Two part-time, one full-time. You do what you have to. But here's my concern with a 53-year-old. Number one, life insurance is pretty important because he's too young to retire. And she's too young to receive Social Security for his income. If, if he were to pass away, she doesn't receive it. At age 60, if you're a widow at 6-0, doesn't matter when you became a widow, but if you reach the age of 60 and you're a widow, you haven't remarried, you can start Social Security based on, it's like a widow's pension, basically, or a widower. But in her case, that's many years away. So I would consider a term policy, term life insurance policy, for the short term. Meaning, let's say a 10-year life insurance policy. Very inexpensive. I would get it for all the debt that they have, their home, etc. So let's say $750,000, something like that. And I would say for the next 10 years, we have a $750,000 life insurance policy. If Robert passes away, Phyllis receives $750,000. If he doesn't, she receives nothing. It's just like car insurance. If you didn't crash your car last year, you don't get a refund. Okay, it's, you just didn't crash your car. It's good news. Term insurance is the same thing. That's why it's the least expensive of most of the life insurance policies out there is term insurance. The least expensive of everything is something called accidental death. We call it in the industry worthless. <laughs> now, you might say, wait a second. I thought it's no. I mean, look, JCPenney's made more money for a long period of time on selling its accidental death life insurance policies than it did on selling stuff at the store. JCPenney's was one of the biggest life insurance companies out there because you would have to die on a Tuesday hit by a blue car, uh, you know, with uh, wearing red shirt or something. That's why they paid or how they paid. Not, not quite. I'm being a little bit sarcastic. But you get the idea that it was very difficult. Now, some people did. It did change the life of some families that the person did die in an accident and they paid $4 a month and they had $100,000 and it helped them. But it's such an inexpensive policy for a reason. Because most people who die, I want to say out of 100, I think that one of the statistics I saw was about two people out of 100 die and qualify for the life insurance that is the accidental death. So I always want you to think of it not as anything to count on. Because sometimes people die differently, right? I mean, God forbid, but it happens. Most people pass away from cancer or heart attack or a condition like that. So the, jo the job of your life insurance is to for sure be there because you're paying with for sure money, right? You're not paying with maybe money. You're paying with for sure money. So if you pass away in the 10-year period of time, that's what a term is for. Now there's 20-year and 30-year term. So the younger you are, I want you to buy the most you can afford for the longest time you can afford. Very important. Okay, very important. Now, what happens for the permanent plan? Now, the permanent life insurance plan is a fantastic plan for hybrid. So in their particular case, see, HR is supposed to notify you from the previous company, hey, we no longer, you're not with us anymore. Here's a pile of paperwork. Roll over your old 401k. And we can help you with that, Robert. We have a great place to get it out of the market risk. Start getting some of that money back. Maybe even get a bonus or, or an addition added to it. That's great news. But 
you have to ask yourself, where's my paperwork from HR, human resources? Sometimes companies will lay off everybody, including their HR person, and have the vice president in charge of personnel handle HR. Well, that person doesn't know what they're doing. The HR director is generally the smartest person, guess what, for HR. So sometimes HR either forgets to send it to you or they laid off the HR director and they didn't handle the paperwork properly. So I want to share with you something of an example. I had a client who was notified on April 1st. It wasn't this year. It was a previous year. Notified on April 1st that as of December 31st, their life insurance was canceled from their work. Now, they continue to pull money from his check, his paycheck, each and every month, every quarter, or, or every two weeks, rather. They'd pull money from his paycheck, but they had canceled life insurance for the whole company by December 31st of the previous year. So for three months, he didn't have life insurance. He paid for it. He got the refund back. The company paid him back whatever premiums he had paid because they had taken it from his paycheck every two weeks. But what if he would have passed away in those three months? Sorry? Right? I, I can't take sorry to the bank. Everybody from your broker says sorry when you lose money. Your companies say sorry when they screw up and lose, you know, forget to do this or, or, or always do that, right, right? Sorry, what does that mean, sorry? I understand that, but you got to fix this. Math doesn't have a, a section where you check a box that says sorry. So that's why I'm not a fan of just counting on your workplace life insurance policies. I think you should have one independent. We do that. We are experts in that field. It's what we do for our clients. If something we can help you with, great. If you have one you want me to give you a second opinion on, I can do that. But you have to have, if you have somebody counting on your money, your paycheck, your every two weeks money coming in, the bills being paid, if you have Somebody that says, if but for that person being here, I would not have been able to pay my electric bill, etc. All right, that's what we're here for. So bring that in. All right, this is the other part that I think that is important. I would roll over of the five hundred uh, of the four hundred and eighty thousand dollars in that account. I would roll over about one hundred and five thousand to your existing, your brand new four hundred one k. As soon as you're eligible, you say, why, why 105? What does that mean? Because once it is part of that new retirement plan where you are employed and you have an emergency or something that you might need, or just an additional set of dollars you need, you're allowed to borrow half of the 105,000 up to $50,000. So instead of rolling it all over to an IRA where you'll have to pay taxes or a penalty to take it out. I want you to roll most of it over to an IRA, let's say 375,000, but leave 105 behind. Roll that, move that, transfer it into your existing 401k plan. Now the very next day your balance says 105. The reason I say 5,000 extra is because there's probably gonna be fees inside of your 401k plan that you don't even know about. And if you need it for an emergency, you can go, hi, I am employed, I have a paycheck, and I want to borrow money from my account. And you can do that, $50,000, send me a check. And it's not a taxable event, by the way. You have to pay it back from your paycheck each month, but it gives you 
those extra dollars. Okay, so very important. It's a little bit of a, a strategy here. You get the free health insurance, sorry, the free life insurance that they will give you called a group plan. Open up your own group life insurance or individual life insurance called a term policy. And roll over 375000 into your own IRA. We have a plan that would give you a bonus of more than $50,000. So you put money in, they put money in. Okay, that extra forty, fifty thousand 50000 added to the account means you now have well into the 400000 You're getting close back to what you lost. And you left a little bit behind to go into your existing 401k plan. Okay, so that's a strategy. And the reason is to, to solve a couple problems. What if you pass away early? What if you live too long? What if you have an emergency? We answered all three of those with your particular strategy. Okay, that's what we do. All right, stay with me, folks, as I continue with your place for news, talk, and information. I'm Eric Hallaby. Your emails on the Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back right after the break. 888 retire And the email is Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. We'll be right back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Your place for news, talk, and information. Hey, I want to give you uh, our phone number one more time. It is 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888 888- Nine nine seven three eight four seven triple eight ninety nine retire. We're here every week at this time talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, and all the things that I find pretty important, which are the the most important parts financially, is to understand the purpose of your money. You see, a lot of people forget that money has a job, and the job that money does is to make the rest of your life better. Okay, it's not supposed to be that money's job is simply to you know, buy stuff. I love it when I speak to my, my poor financial friends, and I don't mean poor again when I say that word in, in dollars in their pocket, but it's a mindset, right? The poor mindset, and by the way, some of you might recognize this is the rich dad, poor dad theory, rich dad, poor dad philosophy, Robert Kiyosaki. I love his books, simple book, actually very simple. I don't. I want to say eighth grade writing, but that would be a push to say it's even uh, eighth. Could be sixth grade, meaning it's extremely understandable for most Americans. It's not in gobbledygook, and it changed my life. 1997, I think it was the time I read that book. Right after I was scammed, and I thought, shoot, this is part of my journey. Actually, was to learn. 96, probably something like that. How did I figure this out? Why did I get ripped off? What was all that about? Etc. You see, for a lot of people, whatever you call normal is what you learned at home, right? So financially, it was get a good job, go to, go to work, get a good job with benefits, work for that company, stay in that company, 
rise up through the ranks of that company, and on and on. And that used to work. You see, America changed many years ago, and you got to ask yourself, how did it change? Well, it did, it did because information was no longer kept for the elite. Right? That last name, or you look like this, or you grew up over there. You see, this whole lie about, you know, racial this and give me reparations for that, right? Oprah Winfrey's one that should start be writing to checks. She came from a slave master, right? I, that's, that's her descendants. My, I can't find anybody in Lebanon or Michigan that owned slave. Michigan was never a slave uh, state, nor was my grandmother who came from Massachusetts before that or at least my grandmother's family, so maybe two or three generations before that. So Massachusetts, Michigan, California. That's it. It's where I've lived. Never had any slaveholder. Oh, but Eric, you benefited from the system. Uh, was that when I was sleeping in my car and working three jobs? Because it didn't feel like I was benefiting from any system. Oh, you know what? It must have been when my mom uh, grew up in a small farming village and her dad... And, and family worked their tail off just to barely exist. Oh, yeah, but they were white. You, you got to fight back with this baloney with information. And you have to bring it to the fact, to the fact of, of two things. Information is available to everybody now for free, for free, for 25 years. But if you're a race hustler, if you're a race baiter, if your job is to make money by blackmailing Toyota, Jesse Jackson, Coca-Cola, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. If your job is to make money based on race, power based on race, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. If your job is to separate the country based on race, Saul Alinsky and the other communists, then you're not happy when information is available for free. You're just not. Because you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Everything that we said is now going to be exposed as a lie. Not just because it's available in information, but we told people that they were never going to be able to get it because of the way that they looked. And surprise, everybody gets information for free. So they have to create something else. They have to make this other mysterious, it's like a smoke, try to grab it. Oops, you can't. This fog, almost but not. So they have to convince you over and over and over again. I was with somebody recently, and they're teaching Chinese. In Southern California, in Southern Utah, in, in Michigan, they're teaching, teaching ch Chinese in the schools of young people. Now, I don't expect young people to have a lot of wisdom. That's, they just don't. They're young. They're new to this world. But when you speak to them and you say, Gosh, you know, what do they teach you about the Chinese government in your Chinese classes? And it's either neutral or positive. They don't teach them about the prison camps, the slave labor, the child labor, the sex trafficking that the Chinese Communist Party is engaged in. They, they just don't teach you that. They'll teach you about all the, the problems that the United States has had, and most of those are way back when, right? 200 years ago, we did this. 100 years ago, we did that. 75 years ago in 1960s, we did this. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, right now, today, there's 1 million people plus that are Muslim. Oh, imagine that. 
in prison camps in China. It's not me saying it. It's organizations of all over the world. The re-education camps, yep. The taking of hostages when you go to visit Hong Kong or China. And if you don't think like them, they snatch you off the street or they come into your home in the middle of the night. Starting to sound familiar? Poor Roger Stone. Starting to sound familiar? James O'Keefe? Yeah, those are American folks that had their houses raided in the middle of the night because of what they thought of or what they think or what they said. So my point is, if you're going to be learning about the United States versus China, China versus the United States, you better understand how evil the Chinese government currently is. And I don't use that word lightly. I don't use that as a throwaway line. This is real. And I share with you, I have been all over that country three times, 2008, 2010, 2016. Beautiful country. I might even say, and I've been all over the United States, but maybe not as much, I would say, okay, except Yellowstone maybe as beautiful or more beautiful than parts of the United States by far, China. People, amazing, wonderful. The man and woman on the street. Government, as evil as the biggest prison gang you'd ever find in the United States. You have to understand the difference. Because they're coming. They're coming for you. They're coming for us. They're coming for me. Who knows? One day I might not be on the air, right? China's been buying up radio stations across the country through different arms. They've been buying up farmland across the country to adjust, to cancel. They've already purchased numerous universities, think tanks, Stanford, Harvard, Berkeley, MIT, Caltech. China has infiltrated these places. Oh, Eric, you're so, you're so paranoid. I wish I was. I'm, I'm hoping I am. I just know enough to say that, I, that it's not the case. So please understand you're going to have to fight with your words to these young people that are learning different languages and learning about cultures. They have prevented themselves from learning about the actual uh, maladies of the Chinese government on its people. They're bad. Uh, we're bad. They're good. That's the story. So how do you fight against it? Well, you do it in a couple of ways. You do it by living your life every day, by being freedom-loving every day, by standing up for your rights to do things like not wear a mask or be silly, like, oh, imagine this, stand up for human rights, equal justice, bad guys go to jail, right? You understand that these George Soros backed and what George Soros did, very simple. I mean, he's the evil boogeyman. I get it. But what he did is he permeated the victim, the, the minority, the black victim community and put these people in as mayor, attorney general, district attorney. And even when you take out the first soldier, right? It's just like a, a military operation, just like you take out the first one and you vote out Lori Lightfoot, she's gone. She's just a pawn. She's done. Up next comes a guy who's even worse. And when you remove one school board president, Loudoun County, Virginia, you move, remove uh, many of those school boards, they just come in with the next group. And if it's not this election, it'll be next. 
You see, they have stamina to fight because they have money to fight. We can't just expect the United States to go on because it went on from before, uh, you know, the last 200 years. Oh, it's going to be easy. I'm sorry it's not. I wish it was. But your children and my children, your grandchildren and my grandchildren are going to have to fight. I don't mean physically, although maybe. I don't know what's coming. But they have to fight. They have to stand up. They have to be vocal. They have to be educated. They have to learn. They have to sit on school boards. They have to fight at the PTA meetings. Stand up for decency, common sense. And my C word, I've talked about it forever. It's called courage. One of those ways is you start your own business so they cannot cancel you. Very difficult to cancel somebody who owns his own business, who has multiple sources of income, who is wealthy. And I don't mean multi-billionaire. I mean wealthy. Money comes in every month more than I spend. That's pretty darn good. I want the check to come in the front door. I want you to spend it, put some money into savings, do rinse and repeat. Let's do it again. How about four, five, six sources of income? That's pretty amazing. You learn. Forget the silly colleges, because most of them are. And let's learn how we can start something on our own. Ready for this? Daniel has an amazing email, and I think it's important, because many of you will be able to learn from this. So when Daniel sent me this, I've already been helping him out on the side here for a little while, but with his permission to read his email, I want you to see what we've done so far. Ready for this? Grab your pen and paper because I think this is going to surprise you. Dear Arif, I've worked in the trades my entire life and I want to be able to build a business of my own. I am 38 years old and I have two small children. My wife has her degree and background in accounting. Is there any way for me to use my retirement plan as an asset to build my own company and use that money to fund it. My retirement plan has about $120,000. I think I only need no more than $100,000. I have a business plan, but I do want to have it reviewed by an expert. My thought is to only borrow for a year or so. I already have many customers lined up that my current employer can in no way help. They just don't have enough staff. Let me see here. Yep. They do the the company does not want to invest in new equipment that's needed because the current owner plans on retiring in a couple of years and doesn't think he will make his money back in time. I believe I have what it takes to take over that part of the business to grow, but I am looking for some guidance. Can you help? All right, here's why I said keep your your pen and paper handy. If you have a small business, or you want to start a small business and you have a retirement account, IRA, 401k, those kinds of things. You can use it, believe it or not. You can use it to start your own business. Use your own money to fund it. But you have to do it in a particular order. Otherwise, the IRS and you will become good friends. And you don't want that to be the case. You want them to be a distant relative you never hear from. Okay. Here's my answer, guys. Daniel, first, you need to read the right books on starting a small business. I recommended that to him a few weeks back, and he's done it. You need to learn more about the people around you that know you. You need to ask them questions. It's better that their perspective on you it be clear. And here's what I mean. Ask them what are your strengths, the people that know you best. Ask them what are your weaknesses. Ask them what are you good at, what are you not good at. 
see if they can provide you with the tools that is that's needed for you to get, do self analyzation so that you understand you need to hire somebody that's good at whatever let's say you're not good as a boss right i was a crummy boss my first decade in the business right i didn't understand business i didn't understand being a boss you don't learn that from anybody you try but you make a lot of mistakes and sometimes you know big mistakes all right you learn so daniel figure it out are you good at certain things those people around you can really help they give you a self well, almost like a personality test all right next look into the small business administration they can provide you with with tools that you need to at least get a start before you make any big changes like leaving your job don't leave your job until you have your company established so here's what I mean you can start your own corporation you can hire a professional right attorney or CPA to do it I'm gonna recommend you learn how to do it you're gonna be just a basic company at first easy to do I want you to have a corporation now most likely you're gonna need a C as in Charlie a C corporation park that for a minute and I'll tell you why because I don't want you to operate as a sole proprietorship right Daniel's plumbing operated by Daniel who's the secretary Daniel who's the operations person Daniel no 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 you said you're a business business has to operate in a particular way all right one of the most popular business finance financing method is what's called a 401k there are some amazing businesses out there that help you establish a 401k which is a retirement plan that your company will have that allows the 401k to invest in your own business I love it rollovers for business startups it's called a ROBS they allow you to simply roll over funds from your retirement plan into your own business so in a nutshell you can use your ROBS as long as you register your company as a C corporation create your own 401k plan all right I love that idea now another thing you can do if it's an IRA and it's a short-term loan for some of you this could be the answer if it's a short-term loan 60 days two months all right you could be 30 years old 40 it doesn't matter you can pull money from your IRA and you have 60 days and 60 seconds to get it back in to an IRA again and no taxes no penalties no fees nothing put it in you're good don't put it in taxable event and you'll pay penalties probably if you're under the age of 59 and a half so if you need money from your own retirement account to start a business there's a particular process or a way if it's a 401k from your business you have to roll it into an IRA you go to a bank or a credit union you can come to us any place if the job of that money is to go in there let it sit for a month whatever it is couple weeks and then it's going to be to to put it right back into your your personal life right to spend it but you got to get it back in in 60 days it's called a 60-day rollover do whatever you need to get it in get it out maybe that's the, all you need is a short-term loan you're waiting for something to come through you're waiting for the first customer to pay and you can do that 60-day rollover once every 12 months 
Okay, you're temporarily borrowing money from your IRA and you're gonna get right back in. The risk, very simple. If you can't get it back in there in 60 days, you have to pay penalties and fees. Now, let's say you borrow or you take out $100,000. Well, you put money back in, but you can only put back in 80,000 by the end of 60 days. You did your best, you worked hard, you couldn't get it all back in. 60 days has come and gone and you only put 80,000 back into an IRA. Well, the taxes, penalties, and fees, it's only on the difference. It's only on the 20,000, not on the entire amount. If that is something you wanna do, let us know. I'll talk to you on the phone. I'll kind of give you some ideas and some things to look at and places to review. Make sure your CPA or your tax preparer is involved, right? Your financial uh, tax professional, they, they kind of know what you're doing. We see this all the time. And ready for this? You can have your own small business and still have a job. You can be an employee and start a business. So you can use your own funds for some of those things. Don't ever think that, oh, just because you're an employee, you can't do the other part of it or this. No, no, no. You can have both. Many people, I had to start that way. Right? A lot of us had to go through life and say, well, you know, I, I, I can't just start a business from thin air. So uh, I'm going to have to do it step by step. So that's what you do. All right. So Daniel, here's a, a big part of it. You've got to ask yourself, what is it that you and your family want out of this new business adventure? And I say your whole family, it's very simple. It's because this journey that you're on, everybody's going to pay the price. You guys know it. When you start a small business, it means you might work 12, 15-hour days, Saturdays, Sundays, weekends, nights, holidays, right? Sometimes that's the case. Well, you have to pay the price. You see, the more independent you are with how you make your money, run your business, the less dependent you are on the crazies in Washington or Sacramento. Right? I'll give you a good example. We have clients that work for Nike and, in fact, some that work for uh, the NBA. Both of them are extremely disgusted at how anti-American both of those organizations are. They're extremely disgusted at why people still watch the NBA and still wear Nike tennis shoes. In fact, uh, I don't have a friend now that drinks Bud Light. I, they just all have tossed all of Budweiser brands to the side. And that's hard for, for a beer drinking person. I'm not one, but for a beer drinking person to give up their, their favorite beer, uh, that's a big deal. And when you look at all the brands that they own, that makes it even more difficult to find one that fits your values. But I can promise you this, if enough of you stop using the product of Nike or Bud Light or the NBA, then they will stop their craziness. But you see, here's what happened. The two folks that work for uh, the NBA and for Nike, you understand they can't afford to leave because they didn't manage their money properly. Now, look, over the last 10 or 15, 15 or 20 years, they have made more than $1 million working there. Uh, I mean, do the math, 10 years, $100,000, a million bucks. But they've spent most of it, wasted some of it, paid taxes on all of it. So, so 
That's nice that they made a lot of money. But they're prisoners. Because they they have bills. They have long-term debt that has to be satisfied. So they have to sell themselves to the highest bidder called Nike or or Bud Light or, or, or whoever you have to work with that are against your values. You see, I need to make this clear. When I tell you about courage, it means it costs you something. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's, ready for this, uh, you're standing in a community, right? How many actors and actresses and and black actors and actresses that stood up for America and were pro-Trump lost their position in their community? You see, because the community that they're from, aren't. it's not about right and wrong and what's right for the community, whatever their community is. It's about you got to think like me or you're out the back door. You see, this is very important you understand this. I, so I had a bunch of Nike tennis shoes. I happened to like them. I put them all in a big trash bag, and I thought I would donate them to the homeless shelter. They didn't want them. I thought at least somebody will use them. So I threw them away. Now, oh, air, if you can afford to throw away, you know, 30, 20 pairs of shoes, I don't know how many, 22 pairs or something. Some of them were older, right, which are usually the most comfortable. But I said to myself, I'm just not going to do it. I can't look down and see Nike and support a country at the same time. I I just can't. It cost me money. Yes, it did. That's the least of what some of men and women across this country have to deal with that are educators, that sit on school boards. I will tell you, Daniel, you can start your own business. You stand up for what you believe in. Sometimes it's going to cost you customers. You're darn right it will. But you get to walk down the street, you get to drive your car, and you get to have your head held high because there is no country in the world ever that has been as an amazing place as this. I didn't say perfect, but when it can take a young man like my father and allow him to have hundreds of people that are on this planet because of his courage and the country matched and said, all you got to do is show up, work hard, and you got a great chance, and it did it for him. Happy Resurrection Day for you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Easter. Thanks for being part of the show. Triple eight ninety nine retire I'm Eric Hallaby. We'll see you next week. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.